say goodbye to the food police, and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita, and let's begin. Welcome to episode 94 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. Since you have a complicated relationship with food, I have a feeling there is a complication with how you choose to eat, how you choose not to eat, and how you choose to exercise or to move your body. And if you're someone who can relate to that and is experiencing all of those, you may wonder, where is the best place to start? How do I make those first few steps? And it can feel overwhelming. Or the really common quote or saying, there may be some paralysis by analysis. Because perfectionism is such a big part of the food peace journey, it can keep you stuck for years. And honestly, dear, I do not want you stuck there for years. I want you to see the freedom and experience freedom rather. And it it feels so sweet and you deserve it. So I have a letter from someone today who's in that place and just doesn't know how to get started. She knows so much. She's connected. Like she has all this awareness on why she's experiencing this complicated relationship with food, her body and movement. But yet that's only taking her so far. And because that's such a complicated part of the food peace journey, I called an expert. Have you ever heard of Jessica Setnick? Well, if you're a dietitian or a dietitian in training, I know you have. She is someone who's considered an eating disorder expert, and she's been a mentor to many of us. So we get to hear about her ways to navigate this space and some insight for the letter writer. I also am wondering if you will be attending the Binge Eating Disorder Association Conference. It's coming up next week. If you're listening to this podcast when it's just released, I'm gonna be in Brooklyn over the weekend presenting on binge eating disorder, weight stigma, and PCOS. I'm also helping out with a presentation that is focused on helping students thrive in fat phobic professions. It's something I am so excited to share, actually both of them. I'm really excited and I feel so lucky to be able to talk to you guys about this work. So if you are gonna be there, be sure to connect with me. I have a free gift for you, something I would love to hand over to you. So come find me or shoot me an email, julie at juliedillonrd.com. All right, before we get to the letter, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace course. It's called Your Step-by-Step Guide to PCOS and Food Peace. And that's exactly what it is. Finally, all the steps on how to make peace with food while affected by PCOS. And I pay special attention to using intuitive eating because yes, you can do intuitive eating with PCOS too, along with ways to promote health. It's backed by research. It's something that I've been really passionate about for a while now, and I'm excited to share it with you. 
Enrollment opens up again in early 2018. And if you would like to get on the wait list, go to PCOSandfoodpeace.com and you'll be all set. All right, enough of that. Let's get to this episode's letter. Dear Food, I binged on you last night. I abused you. I attended a family gathering during the day and wasn't able to control you. And I felt like I blew it. And that was just the beginning. I lost complete control and spent the night making trips to the kitchen. The leftovers from the party didn't stand a chance. Food, I'm stuck in a cycle between restricting you, binging on you, and then compensating by intense exercise. And of course, more restriction. And I know, I know. I know that the restriction is the culprit here. If I wasn't restricting, then I wouldn't be binging, right? And the exercise that feels like my penance is totally an addiction now. I push myself to walk about X miles a day. And on top of that, I do high resistance, high intensity exercise every day. Sometimes I cancel plans and miss out on life just so I can exercise. It's become completely abusive. I'm driving my body into the ground. I haven't had my period in a year and my body is screaming for relief. Food, I spent the first 20 years of my life free from these worries. I didn't have control, body, or exercise issues when I was a teenager. It wasn't until I experienced the loss of a parent when I turned 20 that I began to control you as a way of dealing with emotions. I spent most of my 20s entangled in a toxic relationship with you, Food. I loved you and feared you at the same time. And exercise, you were both my savior and a sadistic overseer. When I turned 28, I began a relationship with a man who's currently still my partner, and this all changed. The relationship became my new focal point, for better or for worse. Food, I completely stopped thinking about you. I ate intuitively, didn't obsess over you, and didn't find the need to overexercise. It was wonderful. My body's weight, self-regulated, and I thought I was free. I enjoyed this freedom for four carefree years. But then food, we had a baby. The stress of parenting became overwhelming and I found absolute comfort in controlling you and measuring you and calculating you. That was far easier than the stress of parenting and you became a distraction. You distracted me from dealing with my emotions. Food, I have a beautiful two-year-old daughter, and I don't want her to absorb these problems. I want her to be free, to feel beautiful in her body, and to trust herself. I worry that she will see me abusing my body with exercise and binging and restriction. I want the cycle to end. But here's the thing, Food. The cycle has become a big, tangled ball of yarn, and I can't work my way out of the mess. But... I know I have to make a cut somewhere just so the whole thing can finally unravel. And so here's my question. Where do I make the incision? Do I start to cut out the exercise that I know is making me hungry? Or do I cut my losses and stop controlling my food intake? And that's the other problem, food, my intake. I don't even know what to eat or how to eat anymore. All I know is total control or total abandon. Please, food, tell me how to stop obsessing over you and tell me how to learn to let go. Sincerely, Tangled. Hey there, Tangled. 
Thank you so much for the note. I really appreciate the time that it took to put all of this down. And I also appreciate how exhausting it can be to connect all those dots that are really tough dots, the loss of a parent, the challenges that comes with being a parent, and to really analyze your relationship with food and exercise in your body. We really appreciate it. There's certainly themes that you're experiencing that a lot of us are experiencing too. So please know you're not alone. Jessica Setnick is a dietitian that's been a mentor of mine for years. And honestly, every eating disorder dietitian probably can say that she has mentored them as well. She's been so generous with her time and wisdom, her expertise and compassion in working with people to heal the relationship with food. And she has offered her assistance with your note tangled. I'm really excited to give her a call. And I have a feeling she's going to give us some insight. So let's hear what Jessica has to say. Hello. Hey, Jessica. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? Julie, I'm always so glad to hear from you. Oh, I love talking to you too. Thank you. Well, thanks for agreeing to help us out with this letter. I hope you had a chance to look over it. I did. I did. And I really feel for the writer of this letter. I want to reach out through cyberspace and just give this person a virtual hug. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so much tough stuff that this person has experienced in her life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even though her story is unique, I'm always, um, I always kind of see this connection that, you know, people have their own experiences, but there's so many themes that I know I've heard from other people. And I'm sure you have seen with other people as well, you know, walking with people on their food peace journey, that her journey seems in a way to have like some common themes. Yeah. And one of the things that I find very sad about this letter and just about sort of our world in general is that these are things that probably this person doesn't talk to her friends about. And I bet if she did, she would find that there were other people going through the same thing if we were all willing to admit it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's unfortunate that there are probably people in our lives who, who would be willing to support us except that we don't know that they're in re- in recovery or or that they're going through something similar. And that's a bummer. It is. Yeah. And I think just walking this earth these days, I don't know how we could not be affected by diet culture and disordered eating because I feel like it's almost like normal eating now to yeah. be restricting something. And um, so, yeah, I think if she was willing or I don't know if we had a culture that promoted that as a safe option, you know, it would feel probably easier for her. But, you know, from reading the letter, what's your general impression about what she's experiencing? Well, this writer, Tangled, is so insightful. She's so insightful about her connection between her eating and her stress. I mean, this is not a person who's writing and saying, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I abuse food. I mean, she literally draws the connections throughout her life. Um, she's in a really good place to, to make progress in recovery. She just needs, needs the guidance to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that is something that's unique about her. You know, she probably has done the work. I don't know if, if she did it in treatment in any way, you know, with a therapist or a dietitian, but there's definitely lots of awareness and insight. She's connected those dots. And there's oh, some, yeah. there, there's something about when people make those connections that I, I 
get the sense that people can feel stuck there for seriously years, like knowing well, why, yeah, but not heard, moving. I once heard a psychiatrist say insight is overrated if it doesn't <laughs> lead to behavior change. Yeah. And I feel like that's where this person may be. And the, the danger of being such a smart, insightful person, and I say this as one of them, is um, paralysis by analysis, right? We can keep rethinking over and over and think, if I can, if I'm smart enough to figure out what the problem is, I should be smart enough to solve it. Mm-hmm. And that's where Einstein's quote comes in handy, which is, you can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. And I oh, love yeah. that. I love that too. And the, sir, the paralysis by analysis is something that I, I have to recite over and over again to myself. Like, okay, just like stop with the perfectionism and just go forward, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, so what would you say for this, for Tangled? Like, what do you feel like would be her first steps towards, you know, getting unstuck from where she is right now? Oh, I would say if she has seen a counselor, like you said, then to get an appointment with that counselor and to get an appointment with an eating disorder dietitian ASAP and literally bring this letter. Um, I mean, I think she's done a beautiful job of describing how she's feeling. The right professional will, will know which questions to ask to figure out how to develop a plan to move forward. And if she hasn't ever seen a counselor or a dietitian, a good place to start is the IFED website. It's ifedd.com it stands for international federation of eating disorder dietitians in case my f sounds like an f it's f as in frank ifedd.com and there's a treatment finder on the website where she can put in her zip code or her city and find the dietitians that are closest to her and also if she lives in an area where there isn't an eating disorder dietitian there are eating disorder dietitians listed who will work by phone or video chat she has a little girl. And so if she needs to be at home and can't leave um, to go to an appointment, then she could see someone by video and that dietitian would hopefully be able to connect her with a therapist. But that's really the first step, I think, is to get out of her own head and get these thoughts out to someone that can really work with her to develop a step-by-step plan because she doesn't need convincing. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't need someone to say, I think here lies the problem. She already knows what it is. It's a matter of figuring out, you know, the two parts of it. You know, her stress and her food are basically on a roller coaster together. And so the goal is to separate them and handle both in a healthy way. So the counselor that can help her manage her stress without food and a dietitian that can help her manage her food without stress. So someone like this letter writer I'm going to assume, I wish Tangled was sitting in front of us and we could all chat, but uh, something I'm going to assume is that she probably knows a lot about nutrition and exercise. And so I know many people have said to me, well, Julia, I already really know about what to eat or how to eat. It's just, I'm stuck. What do you feel like a dietitian could do? I hear that all the time. Oh, I don't need to see a dietitian. I already know what to eat. I say in that case, you triply need to see a dietitian because (laughs) (laughs) if someone didn't know what to eat, yeah, they need to see a dietitian. But if someone knows what to eat and isn't doing it, what's that about? Exactly. That's where it's, it's really important to talk it through with someone because either there's emotions tied up in it that just need to get separated out of food or there's perfectionism. In other words, if I can't eat perfectly, then I won't even try. And then there's also the possibility that it's literally an implementation issue. I know what I should do, but I don't have time to shop or I don't have time to cook. 
And so dietitians have great ideas for all of that. We can help separate the emotions. We can help separate what you really need to do from your perfectionist idea of what you need to do. And then we're really, really good at ideas for how to get food available, cooked, appropriate, however you need it so that you can eat it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like one of the things I find myself doing a lot with clients is I, I'm not necessarily teaching them specifically about nutrition, but really providing the support that they find yeah. that they need to make yeah. those changes and decide what's the next best step, knowing that there are many next best steps, you know, you just yeah, kind of agreed. going with it's one. The implementation. Yeah. And I actually, um, back when I was in private practice, I made a brochure and it's called, it's not about me at all. It's called, I don't want to see the dietitian. And the whole point of it was I would give it to doctors and therapists who referred to me and say, I know you recommend that patients come to see me and probably, you know, one out of five actually makes the call. This is for the other four who say to you back, I don't want to see the dietitian. It's the story of nine different people who didn't want to see the dietitian for different reasons and why they're glad they did. And I think that if I weren't a dietitian, I wouldn't even know what a dietitian does. I think a dietitian had like gray hair in a bun with a pen stuck in it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have any clue what a dietitian does or is. And so I think that a lot of people are in that same boat. They just don't know. So the idea that a dietitian is like a, a kind, caring friend that just wants to help you, that isn't going to tell you you have to eat broccoli, that isn't going to tell you you can't eat ice cream. I mean, these are the things that I think people worry about. And mm -hmm. so there is a there is a fear factor or just a, a I hate to say this, but like a poo-pooing of, oh, a dietitian, they're just going to tell me this, this and this. And I just I think that's a shame, but I totally get it because, like I said, if I weren't a dietitian, I would have no idea what a dietitian would do to me. Mm -hmm. And I also think it it's important to note that seeing an eating disorder dietitian would be the way to go for this person because a general dietitian may just give them the information that they're not needing, you know, and go through yeah, well, some. And that's, I think that's true. I think that an eating disorder specialist dietitian is more attuned to the connections between food and feelings and food and anxiety and food and depression and the things that clearly this letter writer Tangled is experiencing. I agree with you to just say, I'll go to my local hospital, they have a dietitian there, or I'll see which dietitian is covered by my insurance plan. That is definitely not the way to go because there is something about someone who specializes in treating eating disorders that gets those connections. And it's a, sort of a longer term relationship. Whereas mm -hmm. even if a dietitian is covered by someone's insurance, maybe for, you know, two or three visits, I think Tangled would want to meet with someone on an ongoing basis you know, for a while to really get this stuff untangled, bless her heart, mm -hmm. and to really figure out what to do about it. And so it's sort of moot to me, you know, what, which dietitian is on her insurance or that kind of thing. Maybe she can get out of network coverage. That's fine. But what she needs is she needs to find the expert rather than just looking for a dietitian. Yeah, yeah. It's going to make a big difference in the long run and be better, like more worth her time, but also, um, 
going to help her with the steps that she's actually looking to make. So we have a food piece syllabus as a part of the podcast. If you're new to the show, it's a list of uh, other podcast books and resources that further help, help further, I can't talk, further help cultivate our relationship with food. And I'm wondering, Jessica, if you would like to add anything to it. Oh, sure. Well, I, at one point I wrote a affirmation pack with two therapists. It's affirmation cards, but it's called the eating disorder book of hope and healing. It was a, in a book, but then we made the book into affirmation cards and now we don't have the book anymore. We just use the cards cause they were so popular, but she can um, find that on my website, understandingnutrition.com. And it's just, it would be good reminders for her just to carry in her purse when she's struggling and, and not, there isn't anyone available for her to talk to at that moment. Yeah. Cause it, you know, even in when a person has a dietitian and a therapist that they're meeting with, that's just like one or two hours a week that they're having that connection. I feel like we need to have, you know, more immediate access at times when we notice that message in our brain that is, mm-hmm. um, you know, pulling us down that deep, dark rabbit hole. So what we'll do is we'll put a link to those in the show notes for anyone who's listening and Jessica, you have been so wise and I've always appreciated your 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 wisdom and compassion over the years. And if someone is wanting to find out more about you or your work, where's a good place for them to go? Sure, they can go to jessicasetnick.com. Um, the only thing that's totally outdated is the pictures of me. I have long hair now. But other than that, there's lots of information about me and, and my presentations and that kind of thing. Awesome. I don't, I don't see patients anymore, um, Mm -hmm. but I have seen individuals like Tangled. And you know what? I just thought of something else that we didn't mention. Yes. But the way that Tangled writes about exercise being abusive and feels like an addiction, um, you know, in my experience, patients that I've seen that have had that sort of description of compulsively exercising and feeling horrible if they don't. I do think that it's a form of medication to the point where when they try to stop exercising, they actually go through withdrawal symptoms and it's so uncomfortable that they start exercising again, just like an addiction, like she's describing. And so there may be a need at at some point for her to meet with a psychiatrist for an evaluation to find out if there is, um, you know, genuinely a need there for medication that would help her to break some of these cycles, whether it's something that she takes every day or something that she takes when she starts to have these thoughts and feelings. But um, I just, I'm not saying I'm recommending medication because I know sometimes people will just go to their primary care doctor and that's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm recommending an evaluation with an experienced psychiatrist who, because it's the brain you want, not the, not the prescription, but the brain that can really assess and say, I think that there is a, a genuine anxiety disorder here that is driving some of this or post-traumatic stress syndrome from, um, you know, the death of a parent. That's tragic, unbelievably tragic at 20 years old. And so there may be a legit brain chemistry issue that needs to be medicated or helped with medication. And the worry that I have in that we didn't mention it, so I'm glad I'm mentioning it now, is that part of what Tangled is experiencing is that that she has, is it a she? Do we know, does she? We don't know, but okay. I said she, but okay. she or he. She or he. Um, oh, no. Well, 
they had a baby. She had okay. a baby with a man. But okay. Then, again, I don't really know. It could be either. But so he or she, um, I think that there is is that again, not just paralysis by analysis, but that almost guilt of I I know what the problem is and I can't change it. This is clearly a strong, intelligent person. So if he or she has not been able to change the pattern, it's not because they're not trying. It's because the the pattern is so strong and it may be so strong that it's not just a pattern as in a bad habit. It may actually have a biological basis. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And that, I feel like that even enhances what we were saying earlier that getting help from experts is what people need. You know, we said earlier that this experience sounds so familiar to us. And what we know is for people to get unstuck from that, they need to have a team. And even though their brain may be like, oh, you're a failure, you don't know, you, you know what to do. But it's something that is like so hard to untangle, like she says, because there's a possibly this biological kind of connection, like actually doing the work to recover will take going against her biology, you know, and so having a team and a psychiatrist to, you know, see if that's an option that may be like something that will lift off like a ton of weight off of her back, you know, mm-hmm. um, help her take off some of that shame. So that's mm-hmm. a really great point. I'm glad you added that. That was super important. So um, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad you asked. Yeah. So glad I, you called. I, yeah. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk again. Every excuse I will take up on, you know, to, to chat with you, but have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Julie. Bye for now. All right there, Tangled. I hope that conversation with Jessica was able to provide you some next steps for you. I also want to add that I have a blog post that I wrote a while ago about what the first few visits with a dietitian looks like if you're recovering from diet rock bottom or an eating disorder. So Tangled, for you or for anyone listening who can totally identify with what she wrote about, check out that blog post so you can just get a better understanding about what that visit or the first few visits rather would look like. I see that food has written back. So letter writer, please stay in touch. Let us know how things are going. I also hope that you're able to check out my new PCOS and food peace course. Enrollment will begin again in early 2018. And to get on the wait list, go to pcosandfoodpeace.com. And lastly, if you are going to be at BETA or the Binge Eating Disorder Association Conference, I would love to connect and I have a free gift for you. So be sure to make your way. I don't know, wave and find me somehow or just shoot me an email, julie at juliedillonrd.com. All right, that's all from now. Take care. Dear Tangled, hello, dear. We keep meeting in complicated circumstances and we try to help you heal your pain. We know that help is only a distraction. Your wisdom can only take you so far and consider asking supportive healers to join your food peace journey. While this goes against the eating disorders commands and shame may block your way, you deserve the support to continue on your journey. Having new minds navigate your steps may just be what you need to know where to make the incision without a cut. Love, food. Thank you for listening. 
I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food peace? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.